0: This is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues that shape our lives with your guides, Dr. Matthew Jacoby and DJ Payne.
1: So Matthew, here we are, Thrive Perspectives, episode three. You've just gotten back from the USA.
2: Uh, Yeah, I have. Uh, I've I've been... Away for two weeks,
1: and now you've been back for a week.
2: And now I've been back for a week.
1: Yeah, how was it? How was the USA? Uh, American. <laughs> we we have American people listening. Be careful yeah.
2: what you saying. No, no, I mean you know, uh, by that I mean everything's bigger, and you know, it's like it's just so big. Yeah, I mean we're in LA, and oh. you know, LA has the same population as the whole of Australia. Yeah, Greater LA, city. Greater LA, yeah, in, of the city. So when I say American, I just think, it's just so big. Uh, you know, it's big, it's corporate. It's, and there were, like, political rallies going on around. The, I wanted to go to a political rally just oh, to experience a gone. bit of cultural. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was kind of joking with the guys saying, right, there are two cultural experiences I want to have. I want to go to a political rally and a gun shop. <laughs> and there's a, there's, a, there's a big gun shop in Bakersfield called the Second Amendment Sports Store. Love it. and uh, But we just missed out on it. I didn't get to do that bit of tourist... Uh, um, but it was nice, yeah. We we stayed in Pasadena, and I enjoyed that part of LA. It was nice to find a part of LA.
1: Is Pasadena uh, part of LA, or is it just another suburb of California? Well, I, yeah, I'd, greater LA. Uh, yeah, it's originally. kind of greater LA. Yeah, yeah, it's massive. It's massive. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's huge. I was there two years ago, and it was the first time I'd been there for you know a, over, well over a decade, and I just could not get over the um, the homeless situation.
2: Oh, yeah, it's... it's uh,
3: it, was, it blew... It yeah, literally... It's yeah, it's just...
1: I, I, I spent like two hours not being able to say anything. Yeah. Like, Benita and I were walking <laughs> around and then taking, yeah. you know, Ubers around and stuff like that. And I... She was like, are you okay? And I'm like, I think yeah, my broken... mind we're not brain. used
2: to it. I think that's a, It's the same in, you know, Chicago. And yeah. it went, like when I first went to America and we went to the Midwest and uh, the, it was the same thing that struck me.
1: I couldn't believe the, the homelessness there. It's unbelievable. Well, it's good to have you back and uh, I think you're going to actually be back in Australia for a while. I am, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's... We're back back for a while, so... People
1: who've been listening to our podcast know that you've uh, been doing a lot of international travel Mm -hmm. over the last 12 months, so it's good to have you back for a while. So Thrive Perspectives, we're still building this podcast, building this show and what we talk about and what this is all about and... I think it's going to go, like, we're going to respond to questions, respond, people are loving what they've heard so far, two episodes, getting a lot of great comments Mm. about what we've been talking about, which has been lovely. Um, But I think think my gut feeling is this show is going to be sort of flipping around between, like, big theological ideas, big philosophical ideas, Mm. and then maybe even, I hate to use the word political, so I won't use it, but maybe cultural ideas as well. Yeah. And how we think Christianly yeah, about right. this yeah. type of yeah, things. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So we're we we're, we're still we're still in the process of working it out. But I love as as we're at the foundational <coughs> episodes here. I love the fact that you know I said what are we going to talk about today, and you went well. How about we talk about how we know? Yeah. And I was like, Adam, my first my first <laughs> question was, well, how we know what? And you were like, well, just how we know. <laughs> and I'm yeah. Like,
2: well, I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking.
1: Well, the big question
2: uh for us as christians is how do we know god
1: yeah
2: um how do we know the things that we claim to know as christians now um some people would say oh no no we don't know it we just believe it Mm. uh well wait a second is that it you know it's see we're already there we're buying into a sort of philosophical paradigm that separates Faith and where mm. fa- and where faith becomes just believing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's not real knowledge. So straight away there we've got a problem, and this is this is why this topic is important. Uh, it's important also to quote the um, famous atheist and philosopher, early 20th century philosopher uh, Bertrand Russell. Bertrand Russell was once asked. Uh, he wrote a very famous book called Why I'm Not a Christian. So he was the very militant kind of atheist of his day, sort of pre-Dawkins and Hitchens. And
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, he wrote a a book, infamous book called Why I Am Not a Christian. Mm-hmm. And anyway, he was asked once, well, what do you say? What would you say if after you die, you you, you know, there there is God and God asks you, why didn't you believe? Mm. And Bertrand Russell's answer was, well, there just wasn't enough evidence. And he felt that he couldn't be culpable uh, for not believing something for which there was not evidence. Yep. Okay, so there's an interesting issue yep. there. Now, straight away, uh, uh, a lot of Christians will say, oh, no, no, but there is evidence. Mm-hmm. And yes, there is, but. There's always room for doubt. There's always another possible explanation in that evidence. I mean, I, look. I think things like cosmological fine tuning, fine tuning of the universe. I mean, I've read some stuff uh, on that, which, to which I think the uh, God as the creator is by far the best explanation. Mm, mm. But it's not a it's not a sealed logical case. You know, yeah. it's not like two plus three equals five. So, um, but but there's a problem with immediately jumping to that objection and saying oh well I'll give you evidence then this is where a bit of philosophy matters because there's a problem with the question
1: yeah and this now, I don't uh,
2: want to I don't want to drown folks before we get well, into well, this well
1: this is this is where I want to give people a heads up and I'm going to be playing the role ...of the idiot here. Yeah, which, which you're
2: not. But anyway... Uh, ...which, no,
1: which <laughs> I think I'm very qualified to play... ...because I don't want people to go, oh my goodness... ...it's going to be Dr Matt talking no, no, about no, philosophy. No, yeah. but no, no, no. This Thrive Perspectives is is really about the conversation... ...between you and I as as good friends and as believers... ...and people who are on this journey together... I do I do I'm going to be asking some some questions you yeah. know both both some obvious ones that yeah. you might be thinking are stupid and stuff like that but I do I don't want to lose anybody in this conversation yeah. because he, some people are going to turn this off straight away and go well I don't need th- to answer this because I know I know how I know and it's yeah I'm happy with
2: that and and actually I'm going to validate that to a large extent so yeah. the the outcome of this is going to be fairly simple and it's going to help people to understand that you don't need to be you don't need to have a doctorate in philosophy or apologetics to defend your faith. Yes. This is I think a big outcome of right. today. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. So don't uh, don't switch off, stay yep. with us. Yeah. But I am going to do a little bit of uh, a little philosophy because I think it's important that we think through this.
1: Yeah. And we'll have links in the show notes so when Matthew mentions a book or a quote or anything like that, we'll do our very best to have links in there. So if you do want to do further research, you can go down that road. Uh, But I'm saying right at the beginning you might get a little bit scared because there's names that are going to be dropped and philosophers are going to be dropped and stuff like that. Don't be worried. We're going yeah, to get, get I'll through this try not to do much of that, but yeah. I also I also want to bring in Matt, I also want to bring a bit of personal testimony for yeah. us in our in our yeah. own personal yeah, sure. lives, yeah. how we got to that place as yeah. well. Very yeah. practical.
2: Yeah, and that's relevant. So uh, I mean, look. Immediately, I think this is worth saying too. Sometimes I mention philosophy, and people say, "Oh no, but isn't that a bad thing?
3: Yeah,
2: uh, <laughs> you know, isn't it all non-Christian st- stuff?" And and uh, well, f- philosophy is, um, well, it's it's a big subject, but it really addresses how we think, okay? And as Christians, we need to think, okay? Yeah. So uh, when we think through our faith, we're already doing philosophy. So what philosophy does is it analyse the way we think and, and analyse uh, things like knowledge. What do we mean when we say we know something? That's what we're going to talk about today. What do we mean when we say something is true? Uh, What does meaning mean? I'm just going to go a little more esoteric (laughs) there. uh, You know, uh, so... Philosophy is typically an adjunct subject, like a companion subject, Mm. to other subjects. So if you study science, well, there's philosophy of science Mm. and, you know, what are the bounds of science? What counts as a scientific theorem or whatever? Uh, You know, if you do medicine, you'll do bioethics and there's an element of philosophy adjunct to that. And if you do, well, I mean, mathematics, there's a philosophy of mathematics. Mm. Um, What relationship does mathematics have to... Uh, to reality and to logic and so forth. These are philosophical questions. So um, uh, historically, right since the beginning, uh, theology has always been accompanied by philosophy because the whole endeavour of uh, theology is a kind of philosophical endeavour. Yeah. Okay, So yes, there's there's lots of... See, philosophy isn't just about um, certain beliefs. Um, and yes, I mean, certainly there are philosophers who... Who have beliefs, belief, yes. have, have beliefs, and and advocate certain worldviews and metaphysical, what I'd call metaphysical systems, that uh, are opposed to the Christian worldview. Um, but uh, we do philosophy so that we can recognise how they are different. Yeah. Um, so that's that. That's just to so say that.
1: Yeah. And and again, when it comes down to the very basics, we're talking about, and this is why we started a thing called perspectives. Yeah. It's about our mm-hmm. worldview. It's about how we are supposed to view the world. And I've always been really, you know, used a very basic terminology that philosophy is basically human beings saying, How do you see the world? Yeah. How do you see the world? Yeah. This is how I see the world. Yeah. What do we mean by that? And having that discussion come out of that. Yeah, that's
2: right. Yeah. Um, but you, philosophy even goes to even a more fundamental oh. level, and this is where it gets esoteric. Because yeah. what do you mean by how you see, or yeah. how do we see, and what counts as
1: yeah. seeing you, and knowing? And I'm I'm keeping it on the <laughs> surface, man. You're way down a few levels already. So, yeah. so okay. So, but we're going to, we're going to be biased right from the very beginning, and saying we're coming it from a, from a Christian perspective. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, know, yeah. Like yeah, we're coming it from. We're not taught, We don't want to get lost in the meaning of different words and stuff like that. We're going. How do we know? ...subtitles that Christianity is true, that God is real, that the Bible... ...you know, like yeah, all the things that we that's right. presuppose, how do we actually okay. know that? So in order
2: to answer the question, how do we know it's real... ...and I've been asked that by people oh. who say, you know, I believe in it. Well, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know that God is real? And uh, it's always necessary to begin just with the shorter sentence... ...which is why I've uh, phrased it like, well, how do we know anything? Yes. Okay. And what counts as knowledge? So this is uh, this is the initial question. What counts as knowledge? Now, there is an account of knowledge that's probably the most popular, particularly in our day, day and age, and it's known as empiricism, and it's it's basically the theory of knowledge that is advocated by the new atheists: Christopher Hitchens, Dawkins, Sam Harris, Daniel Dennett. Uh, the they're known as the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Although Christopher <laughs> Hitchens is now. Uh, has, has passed away yes um these they 're very aggressive uh, atheists and they 're all uh hard fast empiricists yes. uh they believe that knowledge um, knowledge all comes through the senses it it, it has to be tangible uh, so to um
1: unless what, you can I, scientifically test something yeah, that's right. and measure something empirically
2: yeah and, and unless it can be uh unless it can be subject to the scientific method then uh it you know where and so 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 it doesn't count as knowledge yeah. so they would say well i know that you're sit, sitting here opposite me because i can see you okay so that counts as knowledge but they would say well you only believe in god because you have no evidence getting back to bertrand russell you don't have any and what they mean is tangible evidence yes okay now there's a problem with this the problem is is uh, that God well first of all it there's, there's an assumption here and this is uh, an assumption known as scientism love, uh, it. love it. the scientism it. Um, says that there that the scientific method is has what they call universal competence so it it is the method to ascertain or to verify. All reality. So, in other words, there's no reality outside of what Mm. the scientific method can Can potentially deal with and measure, okay? Now, to me, that is a very, very small universe, even though the universe is enormous. (laughs) Um, But uh, it's just too limiting. Mm. And and I think, you know, look, I I think even um, there are many aspects of this empirical reality and we see this in you know, in the macro, you know, once we start talking about the origins of the universe and what happened, you know, before the universe and we get to space-time singularities or even at the quantum level, you know, when we're talking about quantum physics and the way the quantum particles uh, behave. I think already there there is evidence that there's more... There's something else going on. Yeah, that there's something else going on. But let us we can put that aside Mm. uh, for the moment. Um, So there's a problem with that scientism already and there's a lot of scientists that... uh, that would really object to that claim. Yes. That, you know, scientific method is only... has only has competence with respect to empirical data. The, the, that universe. Yeah, 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 empirical data. Um, but uh, is there only an empirical universe? Is there nothing outside? Is there no spiritual element to this? Mm. Um, well, there's already... Uh, in a sense, an assumption being made there—a very big assumption—that's being made uh, by by these people. So, the problem, getting back to the problem with um, the idea that all and you know, it's not knowledge unless it's tangible knowledge. Um, it it uh, it's gives an account of knowledge that, as I say, is far too narrow. So, for example, it wipes out conscience. For example our sense of right and wrong mm. um, well that's not based on tangible facts so it's not really it's not really real it's mm. it's like we just tell ourselves stories and myths and and so that deep sense uh, of right and wrong that we have is just a genetic spillover from an evolutionary process that at one stage that have some evolutionary advantage mm. and so we've inherited certain traits that make us uh, you know morally um, uh inclined to make moral judgments and so forth, okay, yeah. I mean you know so again it wants to relate everything to tangible facts yeah now uh I just think that's way too narrow that knowledge only it can only be knowledge yeah. uh if if it's come through the senses
1: and 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 to bring it back to a personal level, I agree with you a hundred percent matt that when i when I was a uh, you know a teenager, and when I um, then I went through a process of sort of you know sort of deconstructing your faith, yeah. you know back before that was a yeah. term, and and came and I sort of had to go through a very you know strong gut feeling of what I believe, what was true, and that led me to Bible college, and then after Bible college, I sort of went through the same thing again, and to be honest with you, and to get it back to the point. That whole idea, and I looked at philosophy and I looked at what people believed in, people wanting to measure things empirically, like wanting to just talk about what we could know in that way, my gut response of who I am as a human being, I had to honestly say is I couldn't be more bored of those answers. They all mean nothing to me. That's not what life is about. What What I... ...boring universe you want to live in yeah. because all of my questions... ...have got nothing to do with what could be yeah. measured empirically.
2: Yeah,
1: All of my questions and when it came down to it for me... ...a lot of my questions and again I sort of, uh, maybe uh, you know you can speak about it philo- ph- philosophically... ...and we'll, we'll go at it a different way... But my questions were more about the evil that I saw in the world. I could, yeah. I could, I could answer so many different questions from different religions yeah. and different ways of thoughts. But the only thing that answered what I felt was true evil yeah. in the world was the God of the Bible, you know, type of thing, and what you know explained a lot of the things that I was experiencing and yeah. seeing. So
2: you were able to say, no, it really is evil. Yeah, it, it's not just. Ex- yeah, you know. Um, that, that that judgment actually is based on some valid yeah. uh we, concept that but
1: not, and not only like not only the acts of man and yeah, yeah. mankind say that when this person does that, that is evil and should be punished. Yeah. That's not just a feeling, that's not just anything. I know that, but then there were times in my life where I had experienced through some weird circumstances a presence of evil.
2: Yeah. much more uh, than yeah, yeah. you know what I mean
1: much more than I experienced the presence of good or God because I felt like I could explain yeah. that away yeah, that's right yeah. you can explain the way and that's but,
2: quite common that's a quite a common experience yeah, yeah.
1: and yeah. when you when I was face to face with evil I was like no that is a tangible real thing that is knowable beyond any other thing I've yeah. ever known yeah so I sort of went went through it, like, and so, Mike, when it came and so to the it, question is how do you
2: how did you know that? with yeah. what did you,
1: yeah,
2: with, with what did you sense that? because you didn't see anything or yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, and you know th- th- they would say, well, that's just a moral judgment based on feelings and there's a you know evolutionary or, or social, socially constructed
3: yeah.
2: uh, reason for that. But no, we would say no, uh, w- the, see um the the theory of knowledge, as I said, in, it, I mean, um empiricists would also validate, you know, a rational knowledge as well. You know, there is it's like mathematical kind of knowledge and a yes. lot of you know, a lot of cosmology and is not necessarily things that we can see, but then based on mathematics and yes. so forth, math- mathematical descriptions. So so there's this theory uh, of knowledge. Um and it it discounts things like innate knowledge. Mm. The fact that uh that there might be some other capacity that we have, some spiritual capacity that really through which we really know. Yeah. You know, so so that that sense with which you encountered evil and you just knew it was evil. Yeah. Uh I'm I I would say, well, that's an an aspect of this spiritual capacity that we have yeah. for spiritual knowledge. Um that uh
1: and, and I would call that real knowledge. I wouldn't yeah. say, oh, that's just faith. Yeah Well I, in my in my dumb way, I started from I started from the ground zero of saying, I have a gut feeling. yeah that's it right was, it, it was that's like it, it, it was yeah. like like I could hear something. like there must be the fact that I'm hearing this note that has rung out, there must be a scale <clears throat> that yeah. is not just my ears hearing a note. Yeah, if yeah. that makes sense, yeah. I am picking up on something here yeah. that is as, as tangible and real as anything I've ever experienced. Yeah. And I know we're getting to the place of yeah. experience. And, and see,
2: I, I would—that's—I would say totally the same thing about my knowledge of God. But here's the thing, um, and 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 I'm and I want to get this, make this a little simpler now. Yeah. Uh, the. the there is a way of knowing that we humans are uh, are very attached to and it's deeply problematic. It works in some respects. It's this way of knowing where I am the subject and the thing that I know is the object, right? And it's knowledge is mastery. It's it's I, I, I know I know this and I know that and I can pick this up and I can handle it. Um, and and I master something, you know. I grasp this concept. I grasp that, you know. I'm separate to it, and 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 I'm, uh, and I'm. I somehow, um, as I said, exercise this mastery over mm-hmm. it. Now with objects, tangible objects, even, you know, the the we can talk about the. The sun, even, but we can we can have a kind of knowledge as mastery, not that we physically master the sun, but mm. we can, mm. you know, f- equations and yeah. and 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 we can observe it, and and so we, there's a level of of you know i can do a i mean we even call it a master's degree we, yeah. that's where that term comes from i
1: become an expert yeah. on this particular subject that's right and subject. it becomes
2: the ob, it becomes the object yeah. that yeah. i study the object of my study and i look at it and i'm here and it's there now the the problem is, is that god is not an empirical object mm. this is the big problem it's yeah. it's the the, the atheist challenge to present evidence yeah. is saying to me i want you to present god to me like an empirical object and I'm mm. saying I'm sorry, but God is not an empirical object. I love it. You don't handle God; God handles you, mm. and that's how you know. Mm. But you're not going to know unless you're willing for God to handle you. Mm. You know, like in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the the you know the the probably the a one-liner that I use a lot at church to sort of encapsulate this idea is this uh, is that we can't grasp God. We can't grasp God. God is outside space, time, everything. Uh, you know. Um, But we can be grasped by God. Mm. And that's how we know. So I know God not because he is an object that I have verified through rational inquiry and empirical Mm. observation. I know God because I am being handled by God. (laughs) Like I am the object uh, that God is handling. Mm. Uh, I'm in when i refer to myself as an object in in one sense because of yeah. course we are human subjects yeah yeah so so it's so that the relation the knowledge that i have of god is a deeply relational knowledge mm. it's it's like um it's an uh, it's something i'm inside uh and so i can't stand on the outside and look at it like an object yeah. because God is omnipresent, which means that God is everywhere. So you can't be outside. So, yes. Yeah, so, so I mean, um, and so therefore, God is simply isn't going to be an object like that. So there is already the, the atheist demand for evidence, rational or empirical evidence, is already bringing God down to the level of an object, mm, mm. Um, and that's the that's a big problem. Mm. So initially. Um, uh, initially, I, I you know I always one of the qu- questions that I say to people who present these kind of objections. Well, how do you know? And I just I just find it hard to believe. And and they say that because uh, and I'm going to talk about remind me to talk about belief. What what mm-hmm. uh, in a moment belief and faith are important terms because uh, I want to say that faith is a kind of knowledge, but I'll get to that. Mm-hmm. So. You know, people say, oh, "I just," uh, you know, because they want it to be made evident to them in the way that habitually we things are made evident to us. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but that's that's that way of knowing, that human way of knowing. while it works in some fields. It is is us uh, in control of things? But mm. you're not going to know God by mastering this knowledge, no. as I said. You're going to know God by Him mastering you. Mm. Um, so I often ask people, "Well," Let's if, – if God were real, let's just, you know, be, jump into the hypothetical. Not that I particularly like doing that. But if God is real, how would you know? And that gets them thinking, well, how would I know? Mm. Uh, if God were real, how would I know? Well, it wouldn't be uh, through any tangible evidence because God is, transcends the space-time universe. Mm. Uh, so um, it would have to be because he revealed himself to me You know, that would be the only way. Uh, Now, you know, as I said to you in in the first episode we shared our stories and I said I became a Christian when I was the most hard, fast, atheist position.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, I was totally convinced that there was no God and God ironically chose that time to grab a hold of me. Mm. And the interesting thing was is that my mind was being blown apart uh, because I was in the grip of God... And I knew it with God, knew it was God, but I didn't know how I knew. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I knew with some other capacity that I wasn't used to yeah. used to exercising really. And mm. so, um, and, and there have been times in my life where things have happened. I've thought, oh, maybe it's all arbitrary and God's, you know. And I've been fooling myself, right? And then you know, you wake up in the morning. It's like God's still there. He just won't go away. Yeah. Um, so because it's not something. Because whenever whenever I try to work it out and if I think through it, you can't think your way to this knowledge Uh, because God is outside of what our minds can grasp. Mm. So and yet I find myself in the grasp of God. Yes. So that means that doubt essentially, doubt occurs when we attempt to use the wrong capacity to know God. Mm. So but I'm just going to think through this. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to treat it like an, like a like a theory. For example, mm. you know, let's look at the theory of God, and we're going to rationally scrutinise that theory. Mm. And I'm going to think through it. Well, that's you trying to master a bit of knowledge again. And God is not He's not a, he's a rational it. or empirical object. Mm. So straight away, it's a symptom of us playing God. ...saying if I'm only going to claim to know things that I can handle and master. I mean, this is the God complex big time coming through.
1: A hundred percent. hundred percent. And this, you've tapped into exactly, again, bringing it back to my own story... ...and hopefully to the listener's story, maybe, maybe. It was at the places where I get to the place where I go, this is unknowable. Yeah. Like this is way beyond my capacity... I'm now tapping into... ...and again, I'm not talking about yeah. a metaphysical experience... ...or hallucinations or anything like that. I'm talking about when you get to the place where you realise... ...that there is way more than, you know, yeah. than you can possibly conceive. That's yeah. where... ...when you're at the limit of those capacities... ...I think that's where God can yeah. step in. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It uh, In an important sense...
2: Though we have to, um, we have to recognise our limitations as well, and and I think those experiences cause us to recognise. And that's what I'm
1: talking about. Once I'm more interested in in exploring way past my limitations. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's what I get back to my my response to the new atheist movement. and and you know a lot of the you know the people who are very vocal around that yeah. I, I think someone you talk about philosophers I talk about comedians like Ricky yeah. Gervais and people of his ilk they're 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 the common people's yeah you know you know there's a lot yeah. of actors and comedians who are in that space yeah. talking very openly about it podcasters yeah. and stuff yeah. like that they talk very and open about their um the atheism there yeah I every time I hear them speak. I just, I think, what a boring, colourless, yeah, horrible, you know. And they're they're espousing how wonderful it is, and I'm just like, that to me, I have no interest in that whatsoever. Yeah, well, I mean, the
2: implications are, I mean, uh, the implications that there is only the universe and there is no God, and I mean, then you've got no purpose. Yeah, and I mean, I know, I know, this is another subject. We're going a little off track. Sorry, here. sorry. Um, uh, but, yes, you end up with a very bleak worldview. However, Ricky Gervais, and I've heard him say this, is that you know he thinks that we advocate this worldview just because it's comfortable and it's nice and, and we don't like the opposite because it's not nice. Mm. Uh, but uh, that that is very far from the truth. The mm. other thing that isn't true is that uh, Dawkins in his book, The God Delusion, uh, in a chapter called Why There Is Almost Certainly No God... <laughs> it's based on this idea that we needed God to explain things that we couldn't explain, yeah. but now we can explain those things and now we don't need God. Yeah. So that's his... But the thing is I never believed in God in the first place because I needed an explanation. Yeah. Because, again, you're reducing God to a theory, right? Yeah. You're reducing God to the explanation. You're slipping him into a gap yes. of knowledge. Yes. Oh, well, God did this. Yeah. No, no, God is. It's way bigger than that. And I had this feeling when I read The God Delusion. I had this feeling... Like it was like um, it was just not hitting. it's like shooting arrows at the sun. Mm. It just it wasn't even getting close mm. Mm. to the to, to destroying this mm. field of, of knowledge, something that I definitely would say I know, uh, because I know it in a deep spiritual sense with a spiritual capacity, not because I master it, but because God masters me. So, God is a self-revealing God. Mm. God doesn't; He's not hiding. Mm. Um, God reveals Himself to us. But here's the thing: God will not be known and depreciated or, or limited. He's not going to. I mean, He He came to us. He condescends and He came to us in Jesus Christ. Yes. But when you looked at the man Jesus Christ, it didn't become. It wasn't like evident that He was God in that yes. sense. It still required an act of supernatural revelation yes. for you to recognize that. Yep. Yep. So. Um, you know, so God is not going to reduce Himself so that we can handle Him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So that so we can have that kind of knowledge. Yep. No, He's always going to be outside of our knowledge, and we just got to get used to that. Mm. Uh, it's so so. What it means is that in order to know God, we need to be willing for Him to be God. Mm. You know, so because otherwise He becomes an object that we handle. It's like we, you know, we'll. Okay, well, I put this object or this theory on the table and let's decide whether I'm going to believe it or not.
3: Mm.
2: Uh, well, um, the thing is, uh, as I've said, first of all, God is not that object. But uh, the problem with that is that um, it reduces God and we find ourselves continually on the outside of something that you cannot know until you're on the inside. mm you know, it's no. it's not actually until you're in God's hands that you actually really know. It's not until God grasps you that you really know. But God's not going to grasp you unless you're willing to be grasped, right? Uh, it's, it, it, it can sound a bit,
1: for for the modern man... I know, it, sound, it, it may
2: sound ludicrous. Yeah, who's, who, uh. who
1: wants to sit on the throne and be very, very clever, it can sound entirely gobbledygook, as in like... You're expecting me, you know, to to enter into something that I don't believe in to yeah. prove that I, yeah. I to I, the
2: everyday. It's, it actually wouldn't sound gobbledygook in the field of philosophy. I mean, this is yes,
1: no, no. Yeah. But I, I'm talking. I'm talking to the to the modern man yeah, yeah. Who, who thinks of the world yeah. as only what he can see and experience. Yeah. Whereas I think the verse that unravelled me so deeply, as I as my relationship with God grew, in Hebrews. Where it says, you know, they that come to God must believe that he is. Yeah. And it goes on. But yeah. that, that phrase, he is, unraveled me. Yeah. Because I realised there I was bringing this, I was treating God like an object. I was an expert in God.
2: Yeah. yeah, You know, I was an expert in
1: God knowledge.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, I was a Pharisee and I was an expert in the knowledge about God. Yeah. But when I read Hebrews and then it unlocked the rest of the Bible for me. Yeah. I went, oh, my goodness. Yeah. I have to come to him as he – and it was like God saying, and I can be whatever I want to be and you have to deal with that. Yeah, And then when I realised that I had to lose all my – all my presuppositions of what yeah. God is and who He is and why He does stuff, I I, I jumped into the water finally yeah. and went. I now I know. Yeah, now I know.
2: And 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 you said you, you know you quoted that verse that we must believe that He is. Well, mm. uh, then we need to talk about what belief actually is. Yeah. And, yeah, and 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 we'll I mean we'll have a break and we'll talk about that after the break. Just one thing before we do. Yeah. Um, is Romans chapter one? Well, what doesn't it say in Romans chapter one that uh, you know God's invisible qualities, uh, uh, and, and character, and being a clearly seen in what has been made? Yep. Well, again, it's the same situation as when you looked at the physical man Jesus. Yep. You actually need a spiritual. You, you need spiritual revelation, in a sense, to even recognise that. Him as Jesus.
3: Mm.
2: Now, in, in 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 the case of the uh, in the case of the, all of creation, I mean, you know, I think it does testify to it's like God's footprint in in, in many respects. Mm. But the um, again, you can't just build a logical tower from that mm. and say, "Oh, I've arrived at God, and there he is." Yeah. Um, I think it is evidence. But it's not hard, fast, logical proof. I, 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 uh, I think that's important. Now, I am interested in science and how science points to God. I find that and I really think it does. So yep. I'm really interested in evidence. I think there's lots of it. Mm. I think it points to God. Mm. But just knowing all the evidence doesn't mean that I automatically know God because God isn't an object. Yep. I can only know God as I... ...put myself, as I yield to God, mm. to put myself in God's hands. Now, mm. that's what faith is. Mm. So we'll talk about faith in a moment. Romans 1, uh, the the ability that we have to recognise...
1: That, th- 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 that, ...that
2: there is a God. ...that there is a God. I think there's a very good case to be made for an original innate knowledge of God that we have. Mm. And I think that's what Paul is talking about. Uh, how is it that we look at, you know, because... Uh, you know, we could say, well, one person might look at it and just see uh, a blind evolutionary process. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, there are plenty of Christians that look at it and see evolutionary process, but they see God uh, in that process. Um, or, you know, I, I so the ability to look at creation and recognise um, that, you know, it has the handiwork of God uh is I think part of that innate knowledge. Yep. So there's a, I, th- I think that's important as well because one of the things is how can we be held accountable for something that we don't know? You know, well, oh, well, if God didn't reveal Himself to me, you know, we can go there.
1: The original argument, yeah, there yeah from, if God didn't yep.
2: reveal Himself to me. Uh, well, um, how can I be held accountable? Mm. Well. Um, uh, I would say we have an innate knowledge of God. I think Paul talks to uh, speaks to this in Romans chapter two when he talks about the Gentiles who do by nature the things you know that that, because the law is written on their hearts. Mm. He's talking about innate, innate knowledge. Now, innate knowledge is not included in what a lot of uh, thinkers refer to as knowledge—that that account of knowledge that, by the way, is. It's got a fancy name. It's called classical foundationalism yep. where it only counts as knowledge if it's rationally indubitable or empirically verifiable.
1: Mm. Okay.
2: Uh, yep. Yeah, so.
1: You're losing everybody now?
2: Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, but that's just too narrow. It's yep. like it's either tangible yes. or it's logical yep. or it's not knowledge. Well, yep. I would say there's a third category of knowledge and um, the uh, Christian, very famous Christian philosopher Alvin Plantinga has uh, sort of Uh, Been a key person in, uh, uh, well, it it was an argument, in fact, that John Calvin actually originally um, uh, used, and Alvin Plantinga sort of revived this idea that we have an original innate knowledge. So we are accountable. Mm. It's like everyone knows, but we, as Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1, but we suppress the truth. Mm. Uh, So there's actually something that we're positively doing to suppress the truth. So this brings us to faith. So faith is actually the act of uh, ceasing to repress the truth Mm. and entrusting ourselves to God, putting ourselves in the hand of God. Now the interesting thing is that in itself is uh, there's this kind of sovereign act of God even to, uh, to enable that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there we get into a bigger question which is the question about how you know God's sovereignty works with human choice. Oh boy. Now what and that's a that's a question for another time. Okay. But I I want to underline the fact that as human beings we were created with the right to self-determine. We were given free will, free will. Yeah. Okay. We were given a choice.
1: All right. Well in that free will Let's use our free will now to take a break. <laughs> take we, a deep We'll talk breath. about
2: we'll talk about faith a bit more. Yeah. After
1: let's, so let's bring it. We're going to bring it all together here about belief and faith and how that brings us to to uh, you know the worldviews that we have. You're listening to Thrive Perspectives. It's Matt and DJ. We'll be back after this. Perspectives, our new show, and you're more than halfway through the third episode already. Man, time is flying by. Thank you to everybody that has been part of the journey with us here. Uh, As we launch this new show and as we change things up for 2020, it's great to have you a part of it. As uh, As we continue in building this new show, we really want your input. We really want you to Get involved with this and let us know what you want us to talk about. You know, uh, what would you like us to cover? Are there big theological life issues or subjects that you would love us to share our opinion on as we study through the Word of God? We would love to do that with you. So please get in contact with us. Easiest way to do that is the new website thrivetoday.tv. Thrivetoday.tv. Follow us on our Facebook pages, our Facebook group as well. You can find all the links to that there. It's really easy to get a hold of us. I know life is busy, but if you can do those few things, if there's ever anything that you would love us to talk about, we'd love to hear from you, especially as you have a chance to sort of mold and shape this new show with us. This is what we're asking you to do. Get involved early and we would really, really appreciate it. We've got some exciting stuff happening this year. And I can't wait to share it all with you. All right. Well, let's get back into this big philosophical worldview, how we know, thoughts about thinking podcast episode that we've got here. I hope it's helpful to you. Uh, DJ and Matt here thanking you once again for being part of it. Now let's get back into the discussion. It's Thrive Perspectives DJ here with your good friend Matt Jacoby, and we're talking how we know. Yeah, we're getting a bit philosophical on this third episode of Thrive Perspectives. We're trying to break down how we, you know, both both in the big picture and also, you know, personally, how we get to the place where we actually believe what we believe, how we have faith and we have faith, and how we enter into this mm. relationship with God. Yeah. The, the the point, and, and we've been saying that um,
2: we we can know God, Amen. but it's not with this uh, empirical knowledge where God becomes a tangible object, uh, because God will not. Re- God isn't just an object that we handle and master. Mm. So that that idea of knowledge as mastery, as where the subject we handle this piece of this fact and and inquire into it and invest in investigate it. That's You can't know God like that. Uh, There's an argument to be made that that's a bad way to know anything. I mean, I I want to just follow this line just for a moment. Yeah. Um, That even even looking at objects in the world, say in the natural world, in that pure scientific sense as an object that I study and pull apart, there's an argument to be made that we... It's important that we use our spiritual capacity, engage spiritually with the created world. Yes. Because the created world has a kind of sacramental significance and by that I mean that it's given to us to sort of medi- – it mediates the goodness and the grace of God to mm. us. So God speaks, the heavens declare the glory of God, okay? Yep. Um Talks uh, Psalm one hundred forty eight talks about the trees and the oceans and the all creatures praising God. Mm-hmm. Well, they do. They declare by their very being the fact that they they exude God's glory. Yeah. Um. Because of the wonder of of creation. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's an argument to be made that we should engage with the natural world not in this subject object uh, r- relationship, but um and and neither in a pantheistic. Uh, kind of way and neither i'll say in a panentheistic way which is a there's a um very popular but deeply problematic uh writer at the moment that's popular popularizing um something called panentheism richard raw and uh his work is yeah his work is deeply deeply problematic Mm. it's very appealing to christians and lots of christians are getting into it but uh, his background is in philosophy and, and he he believes that the, the universe, the physical universe, was the first incarnation of God. So the universe actually is God. Mm. Uh, that's deeply problematic. Maybe we can discuss that in a, that's uh, a, future, in episode. a, in a future episode. So yeah. I'm not saying that. No. Uh, however, I'm saying that we do need to engage with the universe, which is, has this sacramental... Mm. Uh, quality to it that that it mediates the glory of god and 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 the goodness of god and, to us and
1: we see that time and time and we again should, and my point is let's engage with that yes. spiritually
2: with this spiritual capacity
1: and 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 that we see that time and time again in scripture um <clears throat> and we can experience it in our own lives for example it, it would be the difference of taking a dog mm. a beagle let's yeah. get you know specific yeah, yeah. here and putting it in a cage with all sorts of thermometers and measurements yeah, yeah. and everything like that, and observing it for the next room. Yeah. And and, and experiencing a dog. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. That's that way. Good, yeah. And going, okay, or in the other room here, letting the dog jump all over you, yeah. lick you, and go, What am I learning about life? Yeah. ...the bigger picture from this that's animal right. here. Yeah. And we see that in Scripture because God often says... It's a good look, example. ...look at the blah, blah, blah,
2: yeah, whatever it like is. Like really look, really connect. And, and the dog example is a good example actually... ...because I don't know much about dogs. I don't know much about physiology. I, you know, mm-hmm. I'll leave that to the vets.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, But I know my dog. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I'm quite connected with my dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's a beautiful... And, and there's there's even something kind of spiritual about that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it it is a spiritual kind of connection with with a creature, with another creature, because we're meant to be spiritually connected yeah. with with other creatures and even with creation, in a sense. Not in the same sense that we're spiritually connected with God. No, no, no. Uh, um, so, you know, but there is a spiritual connection. Now, a a a, a one person, very famous uh, novelist who and and philosopher really is a philosopher. Who made a case for this kind of knowledge is Dostoevsky, Fyodor Dostoevsky, uh, the Russian writer, late nineteenth century, and he encapsulate the, he, he, um, he he is fascinated with with knowledge and mm. and with this deeper kind of knowledge. Dostoevsky, interestingly, was an epileptic, and, and it's a feature of epilepsy. I got into this, went down this rabbit hole once. Uh, where um, they have before a fit or sometimes after have these incredibly spiritual mm. experiences Euphoric. where everything is imbued yes. with just an incredible sense of spiritual meaning. Yeah. It's like it, it somehow opens up this capacity or, or whatever. Anyway. Uh, so – and he had these kind of ex- experiences and he was convinced that there is another kind of knowledge, yeah. a, even a better kind of knowledge than scientific uh, scientific knowledge
3: Amen. Amen.
2: and there's a short story that he wrote called the dream of a ridiculous man mm. and in this in this story this man who's i mean he's about to commit suicide but he pr- procrastinates and falls asleep and he has this dream where he goes to across the universe to another replica earth but it's an earth that hasn't experienced the fall wow. it's just a it's a project of the imagination he's yeah. being a novelist it's the one it's it's the one wonderful thing that you can do when you do philosophy in liter- literary form mm. You can use your imagination Mm. Um, and this is what Dostoevsky does. He's famous for it. So he he poses this scenario, this perfect earth, and he describes the knowledge that these people had, the way that they encountered him. He felt that they knew him through their love Mm. so that their love became a kind of knowledge. Now I would say I know my kids like I really know them because I sense... They're infinite value. There's a spiritual connection. Mm. So they're not just objects to me. Mm. They're not just physiological objects. Mm. I have a spiritual connection with them. It's a relational kind of knowledge, a spiritual Mm. knowledge. It's a knowledge that I have through love. Mm. Okay. And, you know, Dostoevsky describes this. Then he describes the way that they related to nature and the animals and the trees. and, And he said they seemed to have a spiritual connection. They seemed to love them. Uh, now, what you want to make of that? I'm just talk, yeah. describing what does But, but his point is, is that he says that their knowledge was much greater than our scientific knowledge, mm. a much deeper knowledge. Yes. The connection is a much closer connection, mm. uh, and so they worked in in sync with, uh, with the natural world. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting thing. A lot, of, one of the biggest objections against God is, what about all the bad things that happen? I mean, sure, you can blame wars on humans, but what about earthquakes? You know, like how could a God allow so much destruction to human life and suffering, mm. you know, with earthquakes, you know. Now, well, I mean, um, animals know that an earthquake's going to happen before it happens. Yeah. There's a, there was an earthquake, I think it was in 1973 in, in a province of China, where they predicted the earthquake and it evacuated the city based on the behaviour of animals. Mm. So the animals know. Like they're in touch with yeah. <laughs> with the yeah, earth, yeah, 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 and, yeah. And, the, and the you know the earth is like a is 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 a uh, living organism. Not in the um, again, not in a pantheistic sense, no. or a, no. uh, but but in that it moves. It's al- yeah. always has yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so so there's a case. What I'm saying is that there's a case to be made for applying this spiritual capacity and the spiritual knowledge to everything,
1: mm-hmm.
2: including uh, and and well, not least of all other people. That we learn to know other people not as objects yeah. um, that have a certain amount of utility or practical, you know, uh, benefit to us or yeah. whatever. Yeah. No, we yeah. That we learn to know through love.
1: Yeah. Now, and uh, and, that, and that's the big – I think that's the biggest example for us because, you know, in, in in getting back to the relationship with God is those deepest relationships, whether it's a, a husband or wife or mm. – Children yeah. or parents, yeah. those that 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 nuclear family. I personally believe that that is the biggest gift and the biggest part of the natural world. In, in you know, in in that yeah. sense, in going back to the Romans, what Paul is talking about. Yeah. When we experience those things, we have no excuse yeah. to say there is something deeper going on yeah, here. Absolutely, you know, there's absolutely. something more. Yeah, there is like like getting back to what you're saying. There is a knowledge, yeah. that is way better and deeper and more real, yeah, than the empirical knowledge. Yeah, we that's can right. Have. Yeah,
2: so faith then is um, faith is a relational thing. Mm. Uh, faith is me putting myself in the hands of God. Faith is me letting God be God. Yes, it's it's a positioning thing. Uh, so. Uh, it's an act of the will. We think of faith I- I as blind, okay? Now, faith isn't blind. No. Because um, uh, Paul says in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, he says, it's by grace that you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself, that is faith, it is a gift of God. Mm-hmm. Now, faith occurs when God takes hold of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, we—it's we, like, uh, you know, it's seeded in us, but we exercise it. Yes. We respond. It's an act of the will yeah. where I put myself in God's hands. Okay, mm-hmm. and and the more I exercise that faith, the more I um, let God be God. Mm-hmm. The more I entrust myself to His purpose and trust in His promises, the more I know.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. So, so faith, in other words. Is not what we have in the absence of knowledge. Faith actually is me grasping on to God mm. in a spiritual sense. And it's by that grasp, like re- me reciprocating God's grasp on me. Mm. It's this wonderful picture of this mutual embrace. Yeah. And it's this mutual embrace of love. And it's through that mutual embrace, and the embrace the holding on is, is, is kind of is faith. Yeah. That's how I know. So um, you know the famous quote from Anselm, uh, you know, famous one of the church uh, medieval sort of church s- scholars. Yes. I, it was actually Augustine who initially said it. I think mm. I believe in order that I may understand. Mm. You know, I, I I take hold of God. I I come to know God. The only possible way you can ever know God, mm. and that is to seek Him, take hold by f- of in faith and seek God and those who seek will find. Yeah. Those who ask will receive. Yeah. those to, to those who knock, the door will be open. Yeah. That's an act of faith, mm. responding to this deep innate knowledge that we have and God's self-revelation, his special self-revelation through Scripture because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. Mm. So God reveals himself to us through his Word and we respond to that in faith, yeah. and as we take hold of God, we—it's not a leap in. It's not, not a, What? No, no. Hang on. Uh, I'm going to take that back.
3: Yeah.
2: It's a kind. Of, this is the. I'm going to put on the Kierkegaard hat here. Okay. It's, okay. it's in a sense, it is a leap.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, but it's 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 not a um, it's not blind. It's not a blind leap. Okay, let me put it okay. that way.
1: It, it, can I? Can I? And again, I'm reducing it here. I'm reducing yeah. it way down to the because it's way yeah. deeper and way bigger. But in a relationship between a husband and a wife, if you were treating that person, you know, if we as husbands mm. were treating our wives yeah. as something as a subject, yeah, like a study. You yeah. know that we could yeah, know, yeah. Um, we miss out. I mean, yes, yeah, we, that we would
2: relationship wouldn't last long.
1: Yeah, a wouldn't last yeah. long. B, it it is boring and awful, ah, ah. and and uh, like robotic, um, dry and and un unfruitful. Whereas if we go, if we get to the place of faith, yeah, in our partner. And begin to trust them because we've got to know them. Yeah. We open up the deeper parts of our life. Yeah, that's right. Then all of a sudden we're entering into a knowledge and an experience and a relationship that you could never that's see right. from the outside. Yeah, that's right. And she's
2: gonna say, I'm not gonna be an object for you to you know, I am not gonna be and God's saying the same thing. Yeah. For even greater reasons, yes. actually. And uh, and so you know, this is where even if you are looking into a microscope in a lab and and you know um, studying cells, allow yourself to uh, perceive deeper than just an object. Allow yourself to see the wonder of God in things. Allow your spiritual capacities to open up and see the glory of God in creation. Um, because it's it's there to be beheld and. We have this spiritual, you know, let's relate to the world and to each other with these spiritual capacities that, that we have um, and let's make sure that we're relating to God not as an object that does produce a certain results for us but as God. Mm. Either we know God as God or not at all. Mm. You know, you can't know God. I, okay, I'm going to work out whether he is God and when, when I know that he is God, then I'll let him be God. Hang on, you can you can't know God un, unless it's like you can't know God unless you are literally overpowered by God, mm. and because we're not willing to be overpowered by God, you know, we it's almost this sense that we have this natural resistance oh. uh, to that because 100%. we yes people say oh no I, I'd like to know if there is a God and my replies yeah but you want to know on your terms. You want to reduce God to an object and God's not going to be reduced to that.
1: So how – I mean we've described faith when we get to that place where we go, okay, we realise this, we've learnt these things about and we've yeah. experienced with this. So this now, we have a leap. It's not blind. We're leaping into the hands of yeah, the ones we right. trust yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. we've read this information, we've experienced this information, we know we can land in, this, in these hands and that we're going to be fine. Yeah. What's the difference between faith and belief?
2: Uh, well, you're talking about English here because the interesting thing is in Greek, in, in uh, which the New Testament is written in Greek, it's the same word, pisteo. Oh, okay. It's the same word. Faith, belief and trust. Mm. We have three different uh, English words but there's one Greek word. They're all pisteo.
1: So so, so, so pisteo, the Greek word, yeah, would encompass all three yeah, of our English words? it
2: encompasses all three of those okay, things. Okay. So because we think... Uh, okay, it's one thing for me to believe that uh, you could carry me, mm-hmm. but am I going to actually trust you? <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, a different yeah. thing. Yeah. Whereas in the biblical concept of faith... And, and I, look, and I think, look, even in Greek, there are those slightly different usages. And even in the New, New Testament, mm-hmm. there are those slightly different usages. So, for example, James says, uh, so you believe there's a, there is a God, so what? Yeah. And he's using belief in the sort of weak sense. So, yes. so it is... Pisteo is used in that weak sense yep. um, of uh, of believing a fact, for example. Mm. Um, but the richest, uh, the richest kind of use of the idea of faith and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when it talks, when it's used in those contexts, yep. you know, uh, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean just believing in the facts about Jesus Christ. Mm. It means entrusting yourself to Jesus. So often often when I'm preaching I'll say that instead right? because in our in our uh, context in our world today belief means believing in facts.
1: Mm.
2: And so if I just say look if you believe in Jesus uh, you'll be saved.
1: Okay, I'll tick that box.
2: Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yes, okay, I will believe that he is. And some people say well I can't believe that. Mm. And so it becomes a matter of intellectual capacity. Mm an intellectual assent. Some people say, yeah, I, I can intellectually assent to that. Other people say I can't. That's all irrelevant. It's trust. Uh, it's the trust. Yeah, it's it's actually uh, when when the scriptures say we're saved when we believe in Jesus Christ, it's not just talking about believing, in, it's, it's talking about trusting in. Mm. So I will often say if you entrust your life to Christ, you will be saved. Mm. Now, that's important because otherwise we think, well, uh, Yes, I, I tick the doctrinal boxes. I give intellectual assent mm-hmm. to these facts, and uh, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Uh, no, a Christian is someone who entrusts themselves to Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. so that He is both Lord and Savior.
1: Amen. Okay, now let, let's well let's wrap up with this. We're running out of time. Um, I want I want to talk about the other side of all of, of all that we've talked about because we've sort of the last thing on on the list here is knowledge, and and yeah. we've been a bit you know, um negative on empirical knowledge, you know, like yep. on, on knowing something empirically or learning something in that yep. sort of way. Um, but I want to put a big but on on on, on this yep. side of it in in one sense because once we don't we don't enter into our entrusting, we don't enter into becoming a Christian through that way. If that if that makes sense. Or so like we've just saying, no, there's a deeper there's a deeper way we entrust ourselves it's all yep. relational. But once we're in that relationship, is there capacity for not empirical knowledge about the God of the universe, but do we is this now a, a, a ruling to disengage no. our minds and say, okay, no, I'm just not, experiencing no, yeah, good, our good feelings? Point, yeah. and, I, and Matt said, you know, you can't empirically know God. So I'm just going by the gut feeling, yeah. man, and I'm, and I'm floating over I'm here. Gonna and I'm going to switch
2: my mind off and switch off my senses and, yeah, and, 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 and I'm and, going to... You know, step out of my uh, cancel my science degree. Yes, yeah, yeah. And this and this <laughs> yeah. guy has no, a revelation
1: of God, and this guy has a revelation of God, and this girl said something that God told her, and this person here. And so I'm just going with all of it, man, because we all experience God, and then we end up in, as a universal. Like I'm, I'm sort of pointing yeah. towards the Richard Raw type yeah, of stuff yeah, that yeah. is that. Yeah, universalism, that want, yeah, that we that we want to talk about later on down the track. How do we get to the place where we then go? Okay, I need to start learning some facts yeah. here. I need to start learning putting actual verses and things into the mind, into the heart and living a certain way.
2: It's all about context. We exercise empirical knowledge and we exercise rational knowledge in the context of the knowledge of God. Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Now, the fear of the Lord is the consciousness of the magnitude of God. Mm -hmm. Of the, it's 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 an intimate. Actually, the fear of the Lord, the way I would describe, it, is an intimate experience of the transcendence of God. That's a great way to explain, uh, explain it. Because we have, you know, it's like uh, Psalm 130 says, you know, with you there is forgiveness; therefore, you are feared. How does forgiveness lead to fear? Forgiveness leads to fear because it puts us in intimate relationship with the transcendent God. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, uh, and the fact so, that we're dealing with the one—it's like Jesus said: "Don't, don't, don't, don't fear the guy that can kill yeah. you. Fear the one that, that controls your yeah, soul that's right. that actually has
2: forgiveness in His hand." Yeah, that's right. So, um, so it's in that context that we exercise rational. We use our minds, mm-hmm. uh, and and we use our senses, mm. but it's it has a context, uh, and. Uh, and part of using our minds and, and recognizing that there is a spiritual aspect to the world, that there is such a thing as good and evil, and true truth and falsehood of deception, and and it's the way that because of the existence of that, we live in a quite a um, a divided universe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's sort of dualistic in that sense, in that there is there is good and there is evil. There is, you know. Uh, truth and there is deception, you know, um, and so um, I mean this sort of flies in the face again. I mean, to mention Richard Rohr advocates a view called non-duality, where all of those distinctions uh, di- di- sort of disappear. Which is ridiculous. Now, um, so, uh, but we do the way that the world is now. I mean, look in a, in the new heavens and the new earth. God will b- bring all things together as one, and it will just all be good and true, and mm. and and so you know there's a there'll be a sense of non-duality then but like now uh we we have th- there is this we live in this world where there is deception so we need to use our minds and and we need to uh you know we need to engage with god's word uh intelligently mm. and um and and not just accept everything that comes into our minds or every you know uh so discernment
3: yeah oh. um
2: and, uh, you know, all of these things have a really important place. Yep. Discernment, and but none of these things are purely rational I, or purely empirical. Yep. There is a spiritual aspect to discernment. 100%. And it's, But it's not just a spiritual thing. I think mean, no. that's your point. Yes. It's not I spiritually discern that this is wrong. Yeah. Well, actually I can look at the scriptures and say, no, this <laughs> yeah. contradicts what God has revealed yeah. previously. And
1: and, and and when it all comes together, when it, when it all comes together and you have ...the empirical knowledge of, you know, the Word... ...your experiential knowledge of of history and how you've walked... ...and everything like that. And even the history of generations past... ...you know, their legacy giving that to you as well. And then the Spirit of God is communing with you right here and now... ...in an experience. When all that comes together you're unstoppable you know you've got a lot amazing you've got a knowledge that is like is laughable yeah Yeah. you know know,
2: so so i mean to even apply that to empirical knowledge i've said that don't ever or even do your empirical investigations of things within the light of this greater awareness Mm. of god so you're actually studying molecules and but with the fear of the Lord, you know, there's, yeah, yeah. The, it's it's that that experience of recognizing the mag the magnificence, the magnitude, the transcendence of God, yeah. uh, so intimate in the things that we that we see and encounter. Ah, uh, it's I, I, I just think that that is uh that's the Christian worldview. That's how we should look at the world, um, and I think that opens up a. a, a a reality in the most wonderful way. It makes us the best versions of ourselves. Um, it makes us these. It makes us relational beings, spiritual beings, who live with an awareness. We are defined by our relationship to God. I am a child of God. I am in the hands of God. You know, and so I understand myself. I understand other people, and I and I understand God in the light of this wonderful spiritual capacity that I, that I have. That's the way to live life.
0: Thanks for listening to Thrive Perspectives. We want to hear from you, so send us your big questions and ideas. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, download other shows, see all of our resources and much, much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visiting the website, ratethispodcast.com slash thriveperspectives Really helps us reach more people. So head to ratethispodcast.com/slash thrive perspectives. We hope that these shows will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production.